Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And you're listening to SupDoc. And we are speaking SupDoc to you. That is we how are, this works. <laughs> that is how this works. We are speaking SupDoc. And on today's episode, we are going to examine just a few docs that have not yet been released. and Or maybe one of them has. I was going to talk about one that has been released that I have not watched yet. So this is all kind of previews from our perspective, I guess is the best way to, to frame it. Unwatched, them. unreleased here on SupDoc. Get ready, folks coming at you. Look, um, we, we pride ourselves on being like Mark Marin in that we do no research ahead of time. <laughs> we, we do, don't say that. We do a lot of, we actually do, we do lots too of much research. research. We, do, we, we actually, do more than was warranted, yeah. Well, we have our talk with Jeff in two days and we got to dig <sighs> yeah. deep into that. Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know if I can find that half Japanese doc anywhere. I've been looking too, dude. So we'll just have to, yeah. Um, for those who have seen the band that would be King, we're talking to the director very soon about that. And, you know, he also directed uh, the devil and Dan- Daniel Johnston. And I will say that my screening of the man, uh, the band that would be King, maybe the best screening possible is in Berkeley and Jad Fair performed afterward. Oh, wow. That's so, pretty awesome. Yeah. Was it, was it just Jad? Uh, he had a little backing band. He used to play with uh, some San Francisco people. This guy Jim uh, was his drummer, I think, for a while, or at least, or at least for this. Uh, I think it must have been a tour. We have to ask Jeff about this because yeah, this is like in the early '90s uh, gotcha. that this film came out. You almost look like you're wearing a, a David Fair T-shirt, actually. Oh yeah, yeah. This is actually a Sammy Harkum shirt. I was I hadn't busted this out in a while, but yeah, it's very colorful. And Sammy yeah. Harkum's a cartoonist, so yeah, it's. I'm sure that they're influenced by the art styles of the Fair Brothers. And you have a lo- long connection to the Fairs. <laughs> I have a crazy connection, yeah, to the Fairs, indeed. And we'll go in, into. You'll have to listen to the episode to find out, or listen um, to an old episode where we've talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> Any of the old episodes, um, but yeah, I have. Yeah, and yeah, I'm. Excited what are the classics about, yeah. of the classics of Subdoc talking about the? Th- Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo's a big one. Or just Michigan in The general. Yellow Jacket story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, I don't, the Yellow I, Jacket. I don't know what else. Just uh, Well, we have uh, oh, David Kuchner. David oh, David Kuchner. Yeah. That we always bring up. It's been five years um, of this. We really like our, we, we have a lore. There's, this is just like any of those podcasts that have like recurring characters. You really need to yeah. dig all the way back to 2015. You have to, to go back. All the reference. No, you don't have to at all. We used to, we used to do a Werner Herzog rating until you told me some other podcast did one. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. That's who I thought was trolling us about the stickers, dude. Uh, <laughs> okay. Before we get into talking about the podcast, Seriously. the the documentaries, let's talk about the, the being podcasters, the weird world that we're in, uh, the weird amount of like bots that exist, uh, 
we were not sure if we're not we're very happy to find out at least two of the people that asked us for stickers are if if not legit fans people that did enough research to pretend they were legit fans but we yes. think they were legit fans um uh yeah we you know we had a a tweet from like july or something or yeah earlier no it was it was october in mid-october oh, a tweet about like giving out stickers to people that just wrote us off, yeah. off the website well we have freeze we have subdoc stickers that we were giving away for free if you wrote to our um, gmail account and said hey send me a sticker and you gave us your address we'd mail you a sticker yeah and then we had like legitimately fans maybe six let's say over mm-hmm. the last yeah. couple of years one or two people us. i know in real life yeah that are like yeah, i know too. they listen to the show they're like documentary yeah. filmmakers but the then all of a sudden one day about two or three weeks ago we got an inundated with emails for people wanting stickers and we're like we don't have this kind of fan base <laughs> where people uh interact with us and want our merch so what yeah. the hell is going on yeah yeah it, it, it's because we i think we finally figured out yeah that we just ended up on some of these websites that just like you just type in free stickers. Yeah. And then the people just don't care what kind of like we could send them like whatever, like like I don't know, a, a blank adhesive paper and they'd probably be like, could. oh, I got my free sticker. We I could send, send them, them like contact paper and they'll we could. <laughs> oh, I like your idea. I think we should send out Christmas cards. Well, yeah, we have. The addresses now. So we have I, everyone's address. And I think like, let's just make it one le- less. We want it to be slightly more complicated than just straight up emailing us and telling us nothing. Yes. And right. then, but then easy enough to do. So if you actually listen to this show and you actually want a <laughs> sticker, email us. But the subject line has to be the correct spelling of Jeff Ferzik. I think that has oh, to be. Oh, wow. Because it's not. It's not yet. You have to kind of look like, it up, even if you could somehow magically Google transcribe everything we're saying, it's not going to get the right spelling for Jeff Ferzig. Right. Well, you know, Will, our engineer had a good idea, which is if to give us a rating and comment on iTunes, I like and send that us a screenshot <laughs> either. As yeah, well. that's that's actually more helpful. <laughs> that is a lot more helpful. That's or you could do all all the above and we'll mail you. With a handwritten note of thanks to your door, a SUPDOC, a wonderful three inch by three inch vinyl SUPDOC sticker that you can place on anything that you cherish and love. What I love is that like the whole magic of podcasting is not having to deal with inventory, physical inventory. And we've just like created, recreated the distribution problem of a physical business while we sell nothing but time and attention exactly (laughs) yeah that is that those are our products time and attention Um, and we did have lovely subdocs uh pins too i like these pins a lot mine just kept breaking they're for patreon people if you want to join the patreon you can get you can get a pin honestly the pin back i've had a button making machine before and i think will has a button making machine oh like it's just more hassle to own a button making machine than just get them made where do you put it where do you store a button making machine i used to do buttons for bands i would just make random buttons of like whatever it was fun when i had a printer at work and then it became not fun when i'm just like started getting like carpal tunnel i like you just watch tv and make buttons I had a the little, movement. I, yeah, exactly. It looks like, uh, exactly. It's a, yeah. it's a, a tube in, I was the, full tube in over here. 
uh, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey. Um, no, I mean, like, actually, I, I had the dumbest. He's a bit of bad capitalist. I am. I had some friends of mine that were pretty broke make the buttons for me while I was at work. So they would just oh, like wow. come to my house and watch TV. And like literally like the profit margin was like a nickel. Right. So because yeah. like the profit margin of a button is a very because the, the parts and everything, it's probably like 15 to 20 cents. So mm-hmm. it's just like as long as you have f- expendable labor, somewhat right. semi skilled, it's not very skilled. Uh, you can make a hundred buttons for 25 bucks for someone and you maybe pocket, like you profit like 15 bucks out of that. But then I was paying them to do it. So like then I went down to like, basically like I am paying them. I'm getting a nickel per button. Yeah. You're the slacker Henry Ford and it's not going to work. Yeah. With one machine, with one machine. (laughs) Without a means of production. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is not good. But so that is sticker gate here at SupDoc. We were really confused. We were like, do we have a, are we being trolled? And I thought we were being trolled by what used to be kind of our competitors, I guess. (laughs) Right. Even the other, the, the five other comedy documentary podcasts. Most of which have folded. There literally are five other podcasts that talk about documentaries with comedians but we are the first guests that have been on our show with guests that have been on our show and that don't (laughs) talk about us but we were the first may of 2015 when putting the flag down we were still the first but uh we've had people come and go though we've had competitors i guess i'm just calling them competitors not really competitors but they're kind of i mean we could be allies if we had a all documentary network of some kind but no one no one talks to i i know some people that do one of them but like we we don't really talk to each other about it. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, I have, I mean, we've all had ideas get ripped off of us before. Right. Sure. Or like been involved in something where it's like, Hey, why did how all of a sudden there's like a New York version of this thing? Like uh, the, right. the, the most general one, I'm, I'm sure you have multiple examples. There's one that's like, I can't take so much credit for it. I was in like a Jurassic park musical that was kind of like a fanfic Jurassic park musical in like 2007 Mm. and then like a year later in baltimore there was a another like kind of jurassic park musical this one wasn't a fanfic of like building off the the storyline this was i think just like a musical recreation of jurassic park but like also like with like total like warehouse like art school diy punk noise people it's, it's rent so it's but just, jurassic park but like it's like how is it how is it that we both independently came up with a similar idea where like right. i knew people that knew people in the baltimore one i'm yeah. like the baltimore people had to know about the san francisco one yeah well here's a here's something i when i was in killing my lobster in the mid-2000s we had a sketch and we well we um auditioned for hbo hbo was putting oh, together a, a sketch comedy show so we um had an hour-long HBO came to the dark room. We did it at the dark room. It's <laughs> the only the last time HBO came to the dark room. Yeah, they were the not one impressed. and only. Yeah, by oh. the rats and the little dog running around and stuff. I've been in that green room with that dog. Literally, yeah, Maggie. the dog's poop in the back of the green room. Yeah. Yeah. So we did a sketch called Tiny Hands, mm-hmm. and um, about six months later on Saturday Night Live, they did Tiny Hands with uh, uh, the Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig. We had this. It was the same, same Gilly. sketch. It's Gilly. Yeah. 
That's the character yeah. is Gilly. I I don't. It, it wasn't called Tiny Hands, but yeah, she has like a baby doll hand. Right. Our our sketch was called Tiny Hands, and she was running for office. The sketch is called Tiny Hands. It's hilarious. And then um, all of a sudden, it's on Saturday Night Live with this same look, the same dress, everything. I I I know. Like I don't know exactly like where the this might be a better, a well an equally well known one or not. Um, there was a performer who used to be in San Francisco. Dynasty handbag and she was in New York for a long time and doing like kind of queer performance art comedy stuff and Keenan Thompson had a character on SNL uh, about a year or two after I think Jibs had been living in New York called Dynasty handbag and I would like whoa I posted about it and just like I have no idea what you're talking about no one I know watches SNL you're like the only what are you talking about and I'm like I swear like they, I was watching SNL and I there's a Keenan Thompson character called Dynasty Handbag. And so now I I'd, I'd say Dynasty Handbag is pretty well known in LA now. She has like a pretty good following, but this is like probably 18 years ago or something. So wow. this was like pretty that's pretty sh- shitty that that's they would right on, rip that. Yeah. Well, it's a, I guess what happens, apparently writers for SNL used to go around New York and just go to comedy clubs and stuff and take things from people's acts and be like, that's funny. Really? I need I need something. Uh, uh, that's also of, not a good hit rate. If you're just going to go to open mics and I know. shows around New York and just do yeah. it. Like, yeah, I, I know. It's it's kind of it's kind of it's lame, but people are under pressure and they need to produce and they're like, fuck these comics. If you want to make an alt right SNL, that's a great way to do it. Yeah. Oh, that's got to be coming. <laughs> yeah. Like all the, 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 the I don't understand. OK, well, let's get back to documentaries because you may have tuned out. From us yeah. talking Ta- about these other things. Talking about stealing and getting away with it, HBO has a documentary coming out called The Mystery of D.B. Cooper, and I oh, yeah. am excited. <laughs> Color me excited. The if For those people that don't know the uh, history of D.B. Cooper, um, run, don't walk to Google, and first of all, I'm surprised you wouldn't know. Because you're listening. If you to listen this to this show. I mean, is it? Gen- I think there was like a generational wave where people maybe skipped it, and then I think didn't Mad Men kind of bring back this? There was a theory that oh. that in Mad Men, I remember people were saying is is John Hamm's character actually DB Cooper because he kind of has a mysterious background. Uh, oh, weird. Yeah. So, you know, I've never seen Mad Men. Oh, really? Yeah. It's uh, all right. I don't know. I'm not yeah. super into it, but um, it's well done. It's on Netflix now, and I thought about starting it, but it's like whatever six seasons or something. I'm like, Bleh, I don't know about that. I feel like but, your, uh, your time is more valuable now than it used to be. <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm busy, man. Now I didn't used to be, but so the mystery of DB Cooper is going to be available on HBO November 26, just coming up, and it brings to life the stories of four individuals fervently believed by their family and friends to be DB Cooper, the mystery man who hijacked a 727 flying out of Seattle and then traded the passengers' lives for $200,000 and four parachutes leapt from the jet over some of Washington's roughest terrain was never heard from again. I remember watching Leonard Nimoy in search of, mm-hmm. and they, I remember when I was a kid and they, they kind of, um, what year over. was this? Actually, I think that might help set the context. What year was this? Like six. Uh, oh, oh, the DB Cooper, yeah. um, 50 years ago, 50 so years se- ago, 69, 70. Yeah. Whew. Wow. So, um, yeah, a long time ago and, um, and the FBI never solved it. And there was lots of wild speculation. I remember there was a kid who was doing the little fishing 
out there in Oregon, northern Oregon, southern Washington, uh-huh. and found, like, I think $20,000 in cash um, in the river, near the river. And they thought, like, oh, shit, this is, I bet this is the, some of the money that D.B. Cooper had. Um, but the, the, it says the film draws from a combination of recreated and archival footage as well as exclusive interviews with those most connected to the infamous case. And it's likely culprit, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, I'm excited because this is one of my favorite true crime stories. I love, it's weird. I actually love true crime stories that have never been solved. Those mm-hmm. are, those are my favorites where it's just like, we don't know who the person is. And I think like this sort of like for one thing, there were, I mean, there were financial victims, but there were no deaths from this. So that sort yes. of makes yeah. him a little bit more of a good guy hero in the general, you know, I mean, if you're going to do be in the true crime world, this He's is like an anti-hero, probably. anti-hero. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, yeah. Like some, someone, someone who's pulling one over, uh, was there 200 grand in cash on the plane? That's what I, don't I think. Quite. Well, I think they had a land. Oh, they did. And he land? made ev- I believe they landed and he made everyone stand, stay in the plane and they got him $200,000. They took off again because he also had to get more parachutes. I don't think they had four parachutes or something, as I remember. Yeah. Um, but we'll have to watch the doc to, um, to get more. But if you're a D.B. Cooper fan, true crime fan, HBO doc fan or whatever, just let us know what you think. Uh, hit us up on Twitter um, or at Subdoc Podcast and let us know because um, I'm excited for this one. Yeah. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I, I found another HBO one also. I that can you kind of like? I think we just found that there was a bunch of announcements of HBO ones. This one's not out till twenty twenty one, so there's no trailer for this. And I'm I, excited for this one. I don't. I don't already know much about this. It's called The Lady and the Dale. So this is from the Duplass brothers and who obviously did a great job with the documentaries. They've been doing a couple documentaries. Most famously they did, uh, the, the, why am I blanking on the name of the, uh, wild, wild country? Yeah, that's what it is. Yep. Uh, the Reginish Puram, uh, Oregon story. So directed by Nick Cameron Miller and Zachary Drucker. This is a film about Elizabeth Carmichael who rose to prominence when she released fuel-efficient three-wheeled vehicles during the 70s gas crisis. And she won over car makers and investors, but then there's some mystery about the car's technology and her surprising past. It sounds a little bit like a 70s version of the Elizabeth Holmes story. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what it made me think of. Uh, oh, yeah. It's, uh, I'm unclear if this is a series. Yeah, this is a series. 
So I think oh. HBO, like, they just found the formula, like, hey, we, we'll make it about seven or six or seven episodes long, even if it could probably be one movie. <laughs> I think that's what they figured out. Yeah, well, they're counting on everyone staying home for quite a long time. So on their couch, in their bed, watching series, you know, and as we've learned from the Nexium doc series, though, on HBO, yeah. for Christ's sakes, that was too long. Very too long. But the difference is, like, they're producing stuff during quarantine versus, like, the Nexium stuff, obviously, with all this footage that they got like Reno hanging out in real time before quarantine or anything, obviously because like he got arrested what, like two years ago. So it was like old footage for that for to make, actually it's interesting to say like HBO might find it very cheap to make documentaries now if there was archival footage and they just do the talking head interviews over zoom. Like I think a lot of documentaries are going to come out next year. All the talking head interviews are going to be done over zoom. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we'll, we'll see a lot. I think you'll also see a lot of docs with just archival, B-roll, mm-hmm. music interludes, you know, montages, animation, anything other than really talking heads. Did you, you know? see um, right when right when uh, kind of like lockdown happened, Netflix busted out uh, a kind of explanation of coronavirus from like J.K. Simmons as a narrator? Which is, I no. just picture, like, it's not great, and it's, like, obviously, I think all the information, it's not going to be all outdated, but it was, like, definitely, like, capitalizing on people just being, like, I don't know anything. Where do I get my facts? Wikipedia right. and Netflix. Um, J.K. Simmons. But in J.K. Simmons, right. it's just, like, I just sort of, like, picture J.K. Simmons being, like, uh, I got an email from my agent. What's the job? I'm the voice 25,000. explaining coronavirus. All I have to do is just sit here and read this it's oh it's not uh insurance money but i'll do it yeah yeah <laughs> just put it on the pile at this point yeah. that's yeah that's interesting um yeah i think i think you'll we'll be seeing a lot of documentaries because to shoot narrative is is too costly and Dude, too not doable too not doable really so oh and you're not paying sag rates for actors i mean that's not other, on netflix that's the yeah. other like workaround i guess oh right yeah, yeah. i mean I, with, with docs yeah i mean when when it's like a, an entertainment doc which you you found a couple of entertainment docs i don't know those people just don't take sag rates when they're doing they don't i mean they're not getting paid as actors right so they don't get paid uh, no, it's a day rate. Yeah. 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 It's like if you do like um, wives who stab their husbands or, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of shows, you just get a day rate kind mm-hmm. of thing. I did just watch that comedy store doc and eh, it's okay. It yeah. Was a little, Who's behind that whole project? Well, it was that Mike Binder, Showtime? the uh, Showtime and Mike Binder, the, uh, the filmmaker, comedian guy. Okay. Um, used to be a comic from like the eighties. Um, it was okay. It like, it's, it's weird. The first episode I thought was really pretty good. And then it just kept getting worse. Like mm. they started doing like these tear, teary moments of, of like the comedy store with like Peter Gabriel or, um, Peter Gabriel. you know, or like with, not, I mean, I'm sorry, with like a music bed of like, Oh, of okay. Like <laughs> the, the sound of silence and it's Joe Rogan on the stage in black and white. And, and it's so, it was so bad. It was so schmaltzy. It was like, blah, you know, it's hard. It was kind of hard to watch, to be honest. I'm like, just give me, give me stories. That's all I really want. Have you done, you've done the, com- you've done one of the rooms of the comedy store ever? I've done two. I've done the original room twice and the belly room twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've only uh, been. Never, I've never gone up on stage. We just recorded a podcast there. Oh yeah, one time through Kissing. Oh my god! Oh my god! It was like 110 degrees that day. It was so hot. Yeah, 
It was rough. That was a rough one. Um, okay, moving on. So another documentary that's coming up also on November 23rd, I believe, or in that area in three weeks, is the Zappa documentary. Very excited because I am a huge fan of Zappa, mm-hmm. uh, Frank Zappa to be more exact. And there have been there have been other documentaries about Frank, but this one is kind of has... Um, his family behind it, and most importantly, Gail Zappa, who was famous for not letting people use footage, likenesses, mm. um, anything that she couldn't control. As a matter of fact, she sued Lagunitas Brewery for their Zappa beer that they put mm. out every year because they were they would have a, like a, a Zappa fest up there. That beer was awesome, and she got she got she heard about it and was like, "Nope, you didn't ask my permission," which they should have. They should and, have, yeah, <laughs> Zappa. Yeah, beer, I mean, yeah. it's Frank's Zappa. It's not like it's a Captain Beefheart burger or something, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you should get permission to make the Captain Beefheart burger also. It should be a <laughs> Captain Beefheart uh, fish sandwich is what it should Yum. be. Yum. The trout. Yeah. The trout says special. Trout, trout mask special. Dude, Shiny Beast, still one of my all-time favorite. Al- so um, I don't, you can't really see behind me, but I literally took all of my albums out the oh, other whoa. day, and I've been alphabetizing them. Did you move the shelf? I moved the shelf, shelf. Oh, man. and then I took that time to actually alphabetize my albums. So it's a big endeavor. Um, and I have a large Zappa collection. I have probably 60 Zappa albums. So I'm very excited. I'm a big f- fan of Zappa. One of my favorites, I used to date this girl, and she used to always say, um, the shortest woman's bathroom lines are at breweries and Zappa concerts. Uh, and I used to always love that because she's right. Um, so anyways, this is coming out in a few weeks. This is, I believe, Alex Winter. Um, just on, yeah. Yep. Bill Alex Winter's the director. Yep, exactly. Um, and it's also going to have, and also like a Met Zappa's behind this, uh, the family's behind it. So I think there's going to be some cool footage. Um, and you're going to see like Ian Underwood, Steve Vai, David Harrington, uh, Ray White, people like that are going to be in it. And, um, if you're a Zappa fan, you're gonna love it, and if you have, if you don't know Zappa, which a lot of people don't, you should watch it and just see the kind of creative geniuses this country used to put out. Like, like he was on major labels for a long time until he got got out and started his own label. But like, this is a major, major thinker—not just a musician, but mm-hmm. a thinker, American thing. And he unfortunately died at fifty-three, I think, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I like I, I will admit that I'm not a d- deep into Zappa, but like he definitely like seems to have a lot of influence outside of just his music in the sense of like the way someone like the residents or Beefheart does also like there's sort of like a, a world building aspect to uh, what they do. But um, I, I'm under the impression and maybe, you know, a lot more about this, that there is there might be some discord inside of the family or there might be. Oh, no, there's the family. Oh yeah. yeah, I think um, I think Dweezil was cut out, pretty much, um, and that's why Amet, I believe, is part of this. I don't think Dweezil's a part of this doc. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe Dweezil was kind of cut out because they had different opinions on how to use Frank material, and you know, uh, Dweezil still tours as Dweezil on, or I mean, Zappa on Zappa. Okay, yeah, I, I met someone who like played in that. Yeah, so that's maybe where I, I got this backstory. I mean, it's like a lot of people don't know, but yeah, it, I mean, you know, having worked with the former dead Kennedys, I know a little bit about the kind of uh, rifts that can happen over IP. 
that was created yes. in a much different spirit and time. You need to solve that shit from the fucking start, but nobody ever thinks they're going to make it big. So, you know, we, we, I think we figured it out and we haven't made it big. So we're like, that's, that's why we know we, we put, yeah, we're too organized to make it big, but let's <laughs> actually, let's listen to the trailer, the Zappa trailer now. This is the number we always play when people ask us to play more because we know that after we play this, they couldn't possibly ever want to hear us again. We were loud, we were coarse, and we were strange. He had so much talent, it defied everything. You insist on very high and exacting standards. I think if you shoot any lower than that, you're going to wind up with something sleazy. Watch out where the huskies go. Don't you eat that yellow snow. He was just writing all the time. He wouldn't stop. He heard things a particular way, and then he tried to manifest them in the world. Each show was like a composition. was considered the Pied Piper of Laurel Canyon. Any kind of rock star, especially the British guys who came to town, wanted to meet Frank. I haven't heard anything like it before or since. Frank embodied everything. You couldn't say, oh yeah, that's rock and roll, because it wasn't. It's jazz, no, it's pop music, no. Well, what the hell is it? It's Zappa. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I had a, a film that I wanted to check out uh, and I've just been like, I just moved. I have like a lot of work stuff. I have a lot of extra documentary, extracurricular, non-documentary projects, and just like watching Queen's Gambit on Netflix. But um, oh, so good. I, I'm dude, I want to get a chess. I've been wanting to play chess like for months and I'm just like, I really need to fucking. Can I give you a chess. tidbit yeah. about Queen's Gambit? It's a, it's a script that apparently was knocking around Hollywood for a long time. Mm-hmm. And they originally wanted, um, oh, I just, just lost his name. Um, to direct? No, no, no. Uh, the, to star in it was going to be Ellen Page. She was going to be uh, okay. the the chess player, and right. then um, Heath Ledger was going to be like the the romance uh, part of okay. it. Heath Ledger and Ellen Page. Can you imagine? Because it's perfect. I think it's perfect. Like it's the casting is like the somewhat. I'm like, okay, she's supposed to be 13 and like 23 or whatever, but like. It's better. I mean, other than Ellen Page, I can't think of a lot of other people that could kind of like do that range. I don't think Ellen yeah. Page now could not play a thirteen-year-old, but yeah, no, she's a little older now. But that I for, unfortunately can't remember the actress's name, but she's amazing in it. She was and in the, uh, Thoroughbreds, which is actually pretty good. She's in the New Mutants, but I did not see that, and I heard it was pretty trash. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, no. But Queen's Gambit is is uh, it's a good watch. Yeah, it's a good so good watch. That's the fictional world, but uh, in the non-fictional world, I heard an interview with um, David Sanger. I'm trying to remember where it was. I didn't know much about him. I've never read his books. I watch documentaries basically so I don't have to read books. That's one go. of the reasons I do it. So he had a book called The Perfect Weapon about basically cyber warfare and as it could possibly have impacted. You know, I think a, a, a more well-known example is the the hack around Sony, around the uh, 
the Seth Rogen movie. Oh, right. Kim Jong-un, uh, Kim Jong-il. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, Perfect Weapon, directed by John Maggio. It's on HBO. It has been out for a little bit. I think they want, they, it came out just a few weeks ago, October 16th, and I think they just wanted it out before the election. There's a few things that they wanted out right before the election, like Borat. Um, right. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the interviews were convincing. Uh, I watched the trailer, and I'm like, I cannot tell you anything substantive about cyber warfare. And it's probably just like a lot of these things that have like like Social Dilemma or The Great Hack, where I'm like, I'm going to feel pretty smart about half an hour to a day after watching it. And then when you right. ask me why, I'll be like, oh, you know, it's just corrupt. <laughs> like I'm the, uh, yeah, you forget. I'm not gonna have the details at hand. I know. Isn't that weird <sighs> that you can um, you can watch it be engrossed, and then like two hours later, someone will ask you what it's about, and you're like, oh, it's like Seth Rogen and like a movie and stuff, and right. Like I'm like, oh, it's it's the reason why everything is wrong is this movie, and yeah. then like why? I'm like, uh, you watch the movie. They'll, they'll you'll know it for exactly ninety minutes. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. Our retention um, is the problem. I mean, that's a good thing about this podcast is we have to kind of talk about stuff after. But yeah. I've, I mean, we've done this for five years. I can't, I can't remember barely anything about some of the documentaries we've seen. No, it's, t I, I remember when we were interviewing Jesse Thorne in LA and he was like, so off, off Mike, he was like, what do you, what docs you guys been watching? I was like, like, fuck, I, I can't think of any right now. And he's like, you're going to make a great podcast. Host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, same like I'm like, let's talk about Queen's Gambit for 20 minutes in this documentary yeah. podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so Perfect Weapon <coughs> is out. Uh, I, it's on my list of two, uh, my watch list, you know, I pinned it. It looks good. The, the trailer looks good. Should we, should we throw to the trailer? Yeah, let's do that. Cyber is the most inexpensive, highly destructive, highly deniable weapon. You don't see the war, but war is taking place. For decades, there was a lot of cyber theft, but everything would change in 2007. A piece of malware would be delivered into the Iranian nuclear program. The United States used a powerful cyber weapon in a very aggressive way. And others began to say, if the Americans can do it, so can we. Foreign cyber actors are targeting America's critical infrastructure networks. They said, oh, that's the way the game is played. Breaking into emails and making them public. I was like, I don't think this movie's coming out, guys. Some dictator cannot impose censorship in the United States. And then it ratcheted up a notch. Sowing chaos with disinformation. I don't think anybody knows it was Russia. People have no idea what's true, what's fact, what they can trust. We're still debating and questioning our democratic institutions. They're involved going after me on Facebook because Putin knows me and I know him and he doesn't want me to be sure. The volume of attack is escalating. Bad information is now spreading faster than the coronavirus itself. The sophistication is escalating. It attacked 155 countries in one day. Cyber will be the weapon of choice. Nations see this as an element of national power. This becomes a perfect weapon, one we're not prepared to defend against. 
And also now I'm very excited because Judd Apatow is who I think is a much better documentary filmmaker than pretty much anything else. Um, I'm talking about writing or stand up or whatever um, is coming out with a new documentary about George Carlin, which I'm, I looked into this and I could not really find any other docs about Carlin. It was kind of surprising hmm. that no one else has really made, but he, you know, famously made one about Gary Shandling, um, a couple years ago, um, that we, um, reviewed or recapped on this podcast. And it was really good. That, that Gary Shandling doc, uh, doc series was really good. And, and if you, you could go back and listen to that talk with Wayne Fetterman, cause Wayne did, was, I think a producer on that as well. And yeah. had a ton of archival stuff uh, and, and was just, you know, had been on Larry Sanders show and knew, knew Gary pretty well. Played his brother. Yeah. yeah. And then we interviewed him in his new LA house with the fridge hadn't even been set up yet. He hadn't even really moved into his apartment yet when we went over there and talked to him about that doc. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, Apatow, there's no release date yet hmm. for this doc. It's going to be on HBO. Uh, he's teamed up with them. I think it's a two-part series, um, hmm. and it's going to be about – and I know he's going to talk to um, Carlin's daughter, uh, Kelly, mm-hmm. so um, that will be interesting. But, like, I'm a huge – Growing up, Carlin was let's maybe my favorite stand-up. I'm talking when I was at like young, like you know, mm-hmm. 10, 11, 12, 13. I loved Carlin stuff. I loved when he had Showtime specials. I even actually went to see him when I was in college, and oh. it was it was not good. I got to say, the man was the man was near death. Oh wow! Um, yeah, yeah. It was post his like massive heart attack, uh, four stints that he got in his heart, kind of thing. Oh wow. Um, and he was a little, he was a little low energy and he, you know, he died not soon thereafter. I actually used to know, I think Anthony Hill, a local comic here in San Francisco used to open for him and he had a lot of like fun Carlin stories. But, um, so yeah, so look for this coming out, I'd say probably in 2021. Um, and I do believe it's just called Carlin and it's but by Judd Apatow, who you might remember from lots of hits mm-hmm. over the years. Yeah. Um, so Check that out. Um, any uh, any wrap up stuff, George? Uh, I mean, I you know, I, I kind of know a little bit of Carlin. I should probably know a lot more about him in terms of his impact in comedy overall. But it's interesting. Like, yeah, he died in the '90s, and it is interesting. It took this long for something to come out. I feel like there was like a this sort of like Tupac thing where he would just have all this posthumous stuff coming out like books or like mm-hmm. spoken word uh like weird like no audience just him like reading like some writing of his uh and, yeah and, like interviews and stuff keep coming out but um yeah it's interesting that this is coming out now but i think it's like apatow wanting to pay i think with the channeling thing and with this it's probably just like apatow being like the proto comedy nerd wanting to throw his thing out there it, it is actually reminding me it's it's not i the fact that you got to see him one time uh was reminding me that i did i got to see mitch hedberg one time and oh, it was like cool. maybe six months or a year before he died so right. i i'm trying to remember if there's ever been a good mitch hedberg documentary uh that's something no. i think i'd be interested in seeing um I, I feel like there's maybe something just on youtube about him but um it's obviously not the same body of work, but like, no, it's in terms of like, 
maybe my generation's equivalent of like catching someone before they pass. Yeah. That's probably the biggest one I have. Yeah. I saw, I saw Mitch a couple of times at the punchline in the early two thousands. My buddy, Stephen Lynch used to tour with him. He used to open for him. He's got some fun, some fun head, uh, Mitch Hedberg's and also Robert Hawkins, man, Robert Hawkins, who I love. I used to, he used to, he had all kinds of Mitch Hedberg stories. Cause he used to tour with him too, man. Those guys sound like they had a lot of fun, but yeah, it kind of feel the same way like Greg Giraldo too. It's like, mm-hmm. or I wish I'd gotten to see Patrice O'Neill before. I never saw him live. Yeah. I've never, never got to see him live either. I mean, I didn't used to go to comedy more than like once every two years before yeah. I started doing it because I'm just like. Ah, it's so expensive. Like it's like going to it's a jazz ex- club. <laughs> well, it seemed like it's it's exact. It seemed like something adults did, and I wasn't yeah, I didn't quite yeah. think of myself as an adult, even though I was in my early thirties. Like I got a job at Ohm Records, and my boss's brother ran the punchline, and that's why oh, I started weird. going. Yeah, so John oh. Cornette at oh yes, uh, yes Ohm yes. Records. Okay. Yeah, yeah, John yeah. Cornette. His brother Jim Jim Cornette used to run the Punchline, and he'd be like, "What are you doing Friday night?" I'm like, "He's like, you like? I'm like, I love comedy." He's like, "Come to the Punchline." And I was like, "What a weird thing to do, go to a comedy club," and then I got to see Dave Attell and Mitch Hedberg. All like this was in 2000, so mm-hmm. I saw I got to see a lot of great great acts come through. I even saw Louis C.K. there um, way mm-hmm. back when. But anyway, so awesome. So that's our little wrap up for some um, have not watched and have are yet to be released documentaries here on SupDoc. Um, just to recap, if you uh, want a sticker, uh, sign, uh, go into iTunes, give us a ratings review. Show us your I voted sticker. Show us, there you go. Show us your I voted. Either spell Jeff Fortzig's name correctly or send us a screenshot of you uh, giving us a rating review. Even if it's bad, who cares? Mm-hmm. We'll send you a sticker. Um, and uh, look forward to, uh, we have a few more episodes coming up before we uh, take a little hiatus at the end of this year. We all deserve um, a hiatus. Honestly, Jeez. don't we all deserve a hiatus? Uh, we, we're also recording this. We don't know what's going on yet. By Monday, I, maybe future us will and you will know more about uh, yes, but it's been it's been a, f- a fucking month. Whew, dude, fucking it's year. been a year a year of Mondays, man. And it's uh, Friday, November sixth. It's my sister's birthday. Happy birthday, happy birthday, Sue! I love you so much. She's my biggest fan. Uh, I have Sue Romaine. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, Sue Romaine. Google her. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's let's uh, we're gonna leave you now with a little George Carlin, and this is him talking about stuff. I would have been out here a little bit sooner, but they gave me uh, the wrong dressing room, and I couldn't find any place to put my stuff. And I don't know how you are, but I need a place to put my stuff. So that's what I've been doing back there, just trying to find a place for my stuff. You know how important that is. That's the whole that's the whole meaning of life, isn't it? Trying to find a place for your stuff. That's all your house is. Your house is just a place for your stuff. If you didn't have so much goddamn stuff, you wouldn't need a house. You could just walk around all the time. That's all your house is. It's a pile of stuff with a cover on it. You see that when you take off in an airplane and you look down and you see everybody's got a little pile of stuff. Everybody's got their own pile of stuff. And when you leave your stuff, you gotta lock it up. Wouldn't want somebody to come by and take some of your stuff. They always take the good stuff. They don't bother with that crap you're saving. Ain't nobody interested in your fourth grade arithmetic papers. They're looking for the good stuff. That's all your house is. It's a place to keep your stuff while you go out and get more stuff. 
Thanks for listening. You can find out more about SupDoc at SupDocPodcast.com. Recapping reality since 2015. Our theme song was written by David Siegel. Our show was engineered by Will Scoville. Our associate producer is Nick Coltis. Please donate to the show through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash SupDocPodcast. If you want to help us in other ways, please share the show with a friend. Join the Doc Talk and check out our hot takes, pictures, and videos on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're SupDoc Podcast on all those platforms. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. To find out more about my and George's comedy gigs, check out our About Us page on our website. And SupDoc is by Doc fans for Doc fans. So if you want to advertise, got a film or opinions you want to share, just hit us up. We'd love to hear more from you and what you're docking out on. So email us at SupDocPodcast at gmail.com.